and happy Sabbath to everyone. You know, it is uh, always a, a privilege to be in the house of the Lord, and especially, I'm going to move this over here if you all don't mind. The music people can uh, move it back afterwards, right? I'm glad it's the Sabbath, and I'm glad it's communion. I'm glad that we can come over here and maybe we can really uh, understand and partake a little bit more of uh, what it means to be part of this wonderful ceremony. Uh, but before we start, can you guys please just join me in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are blessed because this morning we are able to not just partake of communion, not just the emblems, not just foot washing, but most importantly, we get to partake with you. We pray right now that as we are opening up our hearts, that anything, Father, that might prevent us from looking at the things that you want us to see, we pray, Father, that in this journey called Christianity, not only our hearts can be open, not only our minds can be open, not only our eyes can be open, but our whole being can just be open to you. We pray for your spirit to be with us this morning, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Let everybody say, Amen. Amen. You know, I've been a Christian now for about... 20 years, and my journey of understanding Christianity has been uh, quite interesting because when I got baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist church, I had the notion, the, and this is not a good notion, that once I got baptized, all of my problems went away. I was 18, I was young. I was stupid, still am, <laughs> not the young part, by the way, but as the journey kept going, I was able to understand a little bit more of what it meant to be a Christian. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55 and this is one of my favorite verses, but I was able to look at it maybe just a little bit differently. Because maybe you already know this verse by heart. Maybe you already know this text by heart. Maybe you've recited this text and it for some reason brought you comfort. Because in our limited mind, we're able to maybe see this a bit differently. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. And if you're there, please say hallelujah. And it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I am immediately comforted because I know that there is a God in heaven that knows better than I do. At the same time, as I look at this text, it stands to reason that if there is a God in heaven, he would look at things differently from us, wouldn't you think? From a different vintage, from a different perspective. 
You know what this results in? This results in a paradox. Paradoxes, which is a statement that, appear, is a statement that appears to be contradictory, but it's actually true. And it's actually, I, I'm looking at the definition right now in the uh, Webster Dictionary, and it says, a paradox, a paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Paradoxes have been called the atoms of philosophy. So paradoxes exist in the realm of science, but in the same way paradoxes are also the particles of theology. And the Bible is the ultimate source book for the greatest paradoxes in the sphere of human thinking. In fact, God's Word is a rich source book of paradoxical statements. The Bible is full of paradoxes. And that one old commentator said, without paradoxes, there is no Christianity. Now, what do I mean by that? I was talking to my wife earlier this week, and I thought about it, and I'm like, my goodness, being a Christian, being a Seventh-day Adventist, or being whatever you claim to be, in Christianity, if you're a follower of Christ, you are called to do things that are against your human nature. Can we agree? If you're a Christian, you are called to do things that go, ahead, that go against your normal, I'm going to use that word lightly, your normal line of thinking. Because, see, years ago, my friends, I had this epiphany, you know, as I was coming into my Christian walk, that what Jesus asks us to do in a lot of ways, because we've heard of all these terms, we have to die to self. We have to be humble to be exalted. Are you guys following me, by the way? And so when I, when I look at all of these things, my friends, and you look at the law of Christianity, you see that it is all a paradox because it is made up of seeming contradictions. All its teachings are contrary to the common opinions of man. According to the laws of Christianity, giving is getting, scattering is gaining, holding is losing, having nothing is possessing all things, dying is living, it is he who is weak that is strong. Is everybody following me here? Happiness is found when it is no longer sought. The clearest sight is the one of the one who can't see. And things which are not bring to naught things which are. You know, and I apply that to myself, but what does this mean? Because I always like to leave with a, some sort of practical statement that I can take home with me. Because there's more current, you know, another more current writer listed some of the grand paradoxes of Christianity. We see unseen things. We conquer by yielding. We find rest under a yoke. We reign by serving. We are made great by becoming small. We are exalted when we are humble. 
We become wise by being fools for Christ's sake. We are made free by becoming bondservants. We gain strength when we are weak. We triumph through the feet. We find victory by glorifying in our infirmities. And of course, we live by dying. What does this all mean for us? What does it mean? What application can we take for that today? I remember when I grew up, I was told that the one who knows more will be the one that will be victorious. Anybody else can relate? The one, the one that would be uh, the stronger one will be the one that will be able to prevail. Growing up in the country of Colombia, I remember my friends, and those of you that don't uh, maybe have heard the story before, but I grew up, let me, let, me, let me just put it this way, I was born in the year of 1982. In Colombia, South America, during the 80s and 90s, this was the Pablo Escobar era. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? Some of you don't know. Remember? At that time, considered probably one of the richest mans in the world because he took the uh, cocaine business into a whole new level to the point that this country actually had to help out my country. And now this country is now mine. As in, like, I'm belonging here. I'm a citizen here. But over there, things were handled not just with fists, not just with fights, but also with bullets. And so imagine, you know, the, the type of Christianity that we claim to have because we were traditionally Catholic. No, no, no. We were taught that if you sub are submissive, then you are the weak one. We were taught that if you would back out, you would be the coward one. We were taught that if you were the one that just did not want to engage in any of these things, then there was no place for you in the higher realms. I grew up scared. I grew up weak. I grew up in a time where all of these teachings just made absolutely no sense. And then when I came to the U.S., believe it or not, here in Florida, here in Orlando, here in Apopka, is when I decided to give my life to Christ. And some of these things that I was still learning, they did not make sense. Because how is it possible that we can conquer by yielding? How is it possible that we can reign by serving? You know, and as we celebrate communion today, I think that in a lot of ways, my friends, the attitude of servanthood is one that I think a lot of us are still learning. Because it makes no sense, for example, when Jesus tells us that you need to turn the other cheek. It makes no sense when Jesus tells us that we need to love our enemies. But if you ask me, what is the greatest paradoxical statement in the Bible? And I'm going to leave you with this. And this is how we're going to end this. 
The greatest paradoxical statement in the Bible, and one that I actually, it actually puts everything into perspective, my friends. If I could boil it down to the one that just really speaks to me the most, and hopefully can speak to you the most, it would be this one. Are you guys listening? But I think the biggest paradoxical statement of them all is that in order to gain self-control, you must first lose control to self. I'm going to say that one more time. In order to gain self-control, you must first lose control to self. Which means that anything, my friends, that goes with human nature, that is what Christ is telling us to give up. Anything that we see, anything that we, like, just, just our natural reaction. I don't know about you, but my friends, whenever I decide to put a situation into my own hands, I will be the first one to tell you that I'll be the first one to mess it up. And God says, I don't want you to put it in your hands because it makes no sense to put it in your hands. You're still a kid. Do you want to gain control of self? Then come to me first and lose your self-control. God says all of these statements because he knows as the God of the universe that it would go against our human nature, against our sinfulness, against our terrible desires, against the evil people that we really are. And I'm talking about myself. But in order for all of this to make sense, because if you tell this to someone that doesn't even know God, that hasn't even met God, that doesn't even have a relationship with God, you would think this is absurd. And I say, praise the Lord. Because Christ did call us to be absurd, to be fools, to be servants, to be last. Is everybody with me? And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that when it comes to all of these things, when it comes to Christ himself, because he is preparing us for something better, he is preparing us for a new kingdom, he is preparing us for a new place, we cannot take the old things with us. God is simply saying, you that are in try and trying to be in control of everything, I need you to give all of that up and give it to me. Because no matter what situation you're going through, Yes, if you put it in your hands, you will mess it up. But there is a God that knows the beginning from the end. There is a God that is the Alpha and the Omega. There is a God that you can see from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And there is a God that above everything else, being all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful, he's also all-loving. And he is also Wanting a personal relationship with every single one of us. You know, Jesus, he began his ministry by stating a set of paradoxes that we call the Beatitudes. 
He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And so on, and so on, and so on. And then he concludes by saying, whoever finds his life, can you guys help me here? Will what? And whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. My friends, if you look at life differently than most, and if others think you're a walking paradox, then I say congratulations. That's a mark of authentic discipleship. That is a mark that you are truly walking with Christ. If you have decided that you want to be a fool for Christ, I say praise the Lord. If you have decided to love your enemies, you can't do that on your own. That's only a sign that God is in your heart. If you are wanting to be, you know, if you're wanting to be humble and then God exalts you, God says it's not even for you to exalt yourself because I'm the one that takes care of that. Remember, Christianity in general is filled with things that just simply don't make sense. And at the same time, when studied, when prayed for, they bring all the sense in the world into your heart. Today, as we celebrate communion, let us first remember that in order to gain self-control, we must first lose control to self. And remember that in communion, we practice servanthood. That is the biggest paradox of them all. Because the God of the universe, the God that created you and me, that knows all the hairs in your head, that reigns not just over this earth, but over the universe, every single galaxy, the ones that we can see and the ones that we cannot see, He came down to serve. I don't know about you, but to me, that makes no sense whatsoever. But when we live in Christ, it makes all the sense in the world. Because God, when He lives in our hearts, He brings all these paradoxes to life. And He says, once you apply these principles, then you will know the kingdom of God. As we're celebrating communion today, I don't know what is going on in your hearts, in your minds. Maybe you already picked a partner to do the foot washing with. And if you did, that's fine. But am I speaking to somebody here this morning that needs to make amends with someone? Am I speaking here to somebody this morning that needs to make it right? I'm going to tell you something right now. Being a part of this congregation 
I deem it a privilege. I love the fact that it's so varied and wonderful with people from different places because this is an example of what the heavenly kingdom is going to be like. And I say, praise the Lord. And if we're going to get along here, I'm sorry, if we're going to get along there, we need to start getting along here. May every bit of hatred, may every bit of anger, anything that can be separating us from the ways of God, may we put that to rest today because God wants to bring restitution to his church. But we can't do that if we do not die to self and die to self daily. Remember, in order to gain self-control, you must lose control to self. We're going to separate...